Hello, everyone, and welcome in to episode 17 of That's What Be Said. I'm your host, Bree at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by my fellow ladies. Brittany Mollis is with us at Bird's Eye View. Hi, Britt. Hello. <laughs> and Meredith Kane is also here at MCAN Sports. Hi, Mare. Hello, ladies. It's great to see your lovely faces again. Two weeks in a row. I know. I Maybe. love Zoom. I know. It's so good. We actually like get to see our reactions and... I mean, how good were those screenshots last week? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if I knew that you were going to take screenshots, I probably would have put on makeup and done my hair. Like, I, probably, I mean, I probably should have done that for Callie in the first place. But listen, <laughs> Callie did not judge us. It I was know, not I meant just, to be a it, it was us. It was I know. unapologetically I, ourselves. I knew she wasn't going to judge. So that's why I like didn't feel too bad. But then when you're like, oh, let's post it on Twitter. I was like, I look awful, but the screenshot's too funny. We have to do it. You did not look awful. You did not look awful. Everyone looked great. Yes. We're so hard on ourselves. Let's be nice to ourselves. I know. Um, that's something I need to work on for sure <laughs> is being nicer to myself. That is right. So we're going to get in, into quite a few things today. Uh, obviously, we are approaching NFL free agency. Browns are out here making moves silently. Un I don't I say silently, silent but deadly. Um, <laughs> like a fart. <laughs> I was going to say. You're welcome, Andrew Berry, for that. <laughs> I was going to say the real G is Andrew Berry because he moves in silence like lasagna. There you but go. I guess oh. he's or he's a fart. I don't know. <laughs> Silent but deadly. Um, so we're going to get into all the free agency chatter. Uh, we had some Cavs drama circulating on the Twitterverse over uh, the weekend. And then um, a little bit of baseball, kind of. Not what you're thinking, probably. Uh, but before we get into all of that, um, I wanted to let you guys know we are one year. It's our one year anniversary of our show being quarantined so we've 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 lapped ourselves of doing an entire year um i say in quarantine we were never together to begin with but um this was a time that we didn't even know if sports were going to happen and we had a six month old fresh new podcast about sports and I don't know if we thought we were really going to survive this, but here we are. So I wanted to reflect for a minute and just talk through like what last year was for all of us, because we know it was a struggle for a lot of people out there, ourselves included, a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Um, so I wanted to just reflect on that monumental moment. We have survived. Yeah. Brittany, I'll start with you. So first things first, I can't believe that we were able to have a sports podcast during this time <laughs> we were able to maintain it um on schedule every week no matter what we found we, we dug for things to talk about at times but we never we never missed a beat and kudos to us because that's pretty awesome and it's not very it's not easy to do you know we made the best out of a bad situation and i'm i was so proud of what we were able to do while sports was on a hiatus um secondly you know, if I could just get a little deeper for a second, of course, I got to say, I'm a little, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic and everyone sort of had this camaraderie happening, yes. this mentality that we're all in this together. And I was very hopeful that maybe it took something to shake us like that, that would bring us back together in a way, because a lot of times, you know, you find unity in tragedy. Mm-hmm. 
that didn't happen. <laughs> it did it for like a month. I know. <laughs> the exact opposite of that ended up, you know, the, the last couple of, well, I don't even, I'd say like May 2020 until about, you know, January. I think we're starting to, to get along a little better now as human beings. I think we're finally starting to maybe come together a little bit and that's nice to see but guys I'm, I'm just disappointed that we didn't keep that going longer you know what I mean that's out of the pandemic that's the thing that that I'm, I'm most disappointed in we just we couldn't get it together at any point guys I don't even think it lasted like a month I Maybe think it, I think not. the thing that banded us together was celebrities doing really stupid things because I'm reminded oh, thanks God. to Twitter like the like the two like celebrity blunders that happened this time last year was um gal gadot doing the imagine video with a bunch oh. of different celebrities yeah yeah and everyone's like what what are you doing like the world is in upheaval everyone just got furloughed from their jobs nobody knows what the future holds and you think singing a Beatles song is going to help okay and then the other thing was uh vanessa hudgens getting on her instagram live being like i guess people are gonna die but that's inevitable yeah, but that's exactly how America treated it. <laughs> yeah. like, well, people die. What are you going like, to do? I know. And then like people were like upset about that celebrity thing for like two weeks. And then of course everything fell apart. But Britt, I wanted to add on to what you said because that was my exact thought today. I was thinking about us and everything that we've accomplished. And I was like, just thinking we did a sports podcast every single week without sports and there are so there's a lot of podcasts out there and a lot of people who put out content like this and they just took a break too they're like all right no sports so we're not going to do it either mm -hmm. but we we did it we did it anyway i mean and not every podcast was necessarily about sports but we were still here putting out content consistently every single week and i don't think people understand how difficult that is like it's difficult even when we do have sports and everything is happening and everything is normal but to do it in that situation is so much harder and we did it. And I think we did a great job. And I just, I cannot express how proud I am of us for sticking with everything, you know, and especially sticking with each other. Yeah, yeah we weathered the storm. We did. It came out. I, well, I will also say too, um, I think people obviously that listen to us, um, you know, hear us, the content that we put out there, whether it's clips on Twitter, or they listen to the full show um, on a weekly basis. But like what they don't get to witness is um, us pre-show, um, just chatting about our days, us post-show, chatting about our days. Um, mm -hmm. I think we've all had moments of crying on this podcast, um, yes. whether it's before or after, just about life. Um, things happening outside of this podcast. And I think we've all talked about this before, but this is really a release and a lever for us to just escape um, for an hour, two hours, depending on how long we chat with each other offline um, mm -hmm. and just talk to each other. And then we we all are in a group chat too with um, Angela and Jenna as well. And um, I will say like, man, the two of you and the two of them, like you guys have really kept me afloat <laughs> this past year, like the Seriously. ups and the downs, um, the TikToks, the laughs, the gifts, the inappropriate things that we talk about. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, I, I'm proud of us Rim too. Talk. 
Um, Any, anytime Miles Garrett posts anything, we're in the group chat talking about. <laughs> we're duplicating things a lot of times. I know. I think it was just like just last week. I think three of us sent the same Miles Garrett post, like almost at the same time. That yes. thing be thinging. We are <laughs> we are all on the same page when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, I think we, you guys, like I get to be myself. Um, I don't have to put on show. Um, we are ourselves on this show as well. Um, so it's just something I appreciate in a, in a year of just darkness and uh, a lot of uncertainty. It's, it's been nice to have this constant in my life. I say. could not agree more. Yeah. And, and we would insanity. hope that, the, yeah. And we would hope that, you know, you guys, the people who are listening, we hope that you enjoy it too. Um, you know, and we appreciate you being along for the ride. Cause I know it's difficult to want to listen to, <laughs> something that's supposed to be sports content when there's no sports, um, you know, trying to find normalcy in a world where nothing is normal. So if, if you stuck with us or if you just found us recently and you're long for the ride, like we appreciate you and ever like anytime you share our podcast or download it or, you know, send a review or, or even send us emails. Like we just appreciate every little thing. Yes. Yes, we do. Yes. Well, I will end it with that. Um, before we get into Brown's um, free agency discussions, I do have to give a shout out to Manscaped. Um, they are continuing to support. That's what B said. Um, and we are sponsored by Manscaped at Fansided here. And as you guys know, they are the best in men's below the belt grooming. Um, they, they offer precision engineered tools for the family jewels and they obsess over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Again, we have that exclusive offer that is continuing to our listeners. It's 20% off plus free shipping using the code fansided20. Don't forget you go to manscaped.com and use the promo code fansided20 for 20% off your order and free shipping. You guys love these Manscaped ad reads, I will say. Like, we get so much good feedback about uh, ad reads. A lot of people tend, like, I, when I listen to podcasts, I tend to just skip over um, live reads. Uh, but everyone likes our commentary, I guess, about ball sacks and whatnot. Oh, yeah. I also, I hi, Key. If you tried the Manscaped, let us know. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about we, your balls. We want to know. I want to know more about the if you have tried the deodorant, I want to know. If you, the underwear, I guess they feel real silky and they're real great. So I, I highly suggest the underwear and the, would you say ball deodorant or testicle? Like, is there a word? <laughs> Can I, I think say ball, ball deodorant. That's what it is. Yeah. You mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. The, the, for your undercarriage. <laughs> <laughs> the gooch. <laughs> your taint stick. It smells oh, pretty good. Sorry, guys. I might need to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 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 so funny, Brittany, because um, you know, with the sponsorship, we got um we got the boxes and we shared them with our significant others. Um, and it's like we laugh about it because I like say to my husband all the time, like I actually noticed he like had the razor, the lawnmower, like lawnmower, like might be my favorite tool just in general, because the fact number one, like it's a great name, the lawnmower, right? And it looks like uh, a little lawnmower with a little headlight on it. It's so cute. Yes. Um, And he had it like laying out on the counter and I was like, so like, are you good if like I talk about your experience? Like, 
with your grooming and I'm just like this, like our parent, my parents listen to the show. Like his mom listens to the show. Like this is starting to get very uncomfortable uh, that our world is just out there. <laughs> I know, I know. But you know, I guess it is what it is. There you go. Um, all right, guys, you ready to get into some Browns chatter? Yeah. Let's do it. All right, so everybody knows at this point, uh, legal tampering kicked off on Monday. Um, free agency officially starts tomorrow, Wednesday. That's today for all of you listeners out there. Um, and a lot of fans assumed that Andrew Barry and company would go all in um, on a top-tier edge rusher. Uh, but one by one, those names that we had on our radar, Brittany, that you wrote an article about, um, they all seem to be going to other teams. Now, it seems pretty firm at this point in time that they're going to sign with these teams. Let's just go over them for a minute. Bud Dupree uh, looks to be signing with the Titans, $16.5 million, uh, per year. Carl Lawson, my guy, devastated. Uh, the Jets, Carl, what, what are you doing? 45 million contract, 30 million guaranteed. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, uh, Bengals, four years, $60 million. Like, like this, that whole thing was weird, right? Like you could have kept Carl Lawson, but that we'll, we'll no talk sense. about that. Uh, Yannick Nagakwe, uh, the Raiders, two years, $26 million. So that was, that was my guy. I was teaming Gakwe over here. We'll get into so who sad. the Browns signed today, but I wanted to just touch on those names for a moment because we spent some time last week talking about uh, these defensive ends, pairing them opposite of Miles. Again, like all big names, um, they all got some big bucks behind them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was laughing as all of these signings were happening or all of these, um, you know, confirmations were happening with the Browns Twitter because it was like, <laughs> as one name got signed, it was like, Carl Lawson's still available. Like, yeah, all in on Carl. And then it was like, he's going to sign with the jets. And then it was like, let's go after Hendrickson. Yeah. Like we got a chance. And I was like, one by one, they were getting picked off and Browns fans were like, just going down the list of like, I'm like, guys, like we don't want to be like a third option or a four. Like, what are we doing right now? No, like it was just the domino effect. You saw their, (laughs) their hopes and dreams just dying with every tweet. And then they're all just like, well, well, what are you going to do? But I think the only, the only one that I, um, I noticed that people were mostly upset about was Carl Lawson. Number one, because, you know, I think that would have been a great fit, but also because he chose the Jets. Did yes, he have a he's coach going right after now? the money. Yes. Freaking. So, you know, goodbye, Carl. Carl. Dead. Remember, remember uh, what's his face? Todd Haley. Oh, Todd <laughs> Haley. It's like, who names a baby Carl? <laughs> oh, yeah. Baby Carl. <laughs> Gucci goo. Exactly. I think was was he also the one that gave us a uh, nice job, you fucking kicker? Is that yes. him? Yeah. That was Wait, no, was that Greg Williams? No, no, oh, that was maybe. Todd. That was Todd. Yeah. He just so animated. God, uh, what a time. What a time for coaches in Cleveland. Todd Haley, Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams. It was, um, I mean, that was the hard knocks era. Ooh, boy. Sometimes I want to go, sometimes I want to go back and watch that season of hard knocks. We almost did that one night. I was like, well, we went out. (laughs) It was right after a Brown, one of the Browns, like evening games, I think. And I was like, oh, we should watch hard knocks tonight when we get back. And then of course, like we were at a bar all day. So I just came home and passed out at like six (laughs) o'clock. Yeah. I was thinking about it, but I don't know if I can like, hand- but here's the thing. I probably could because I'm like separated from the situation right now, but like, I, I love 
drama when it doesn't involve me. Like I am, I get invested in other people's drama. So like, and that's like what that season was for the Browns. It was other people's drama. So I don't know, maybe I'll go back and watch it. But I, I, I think people had very high expectations for Andrew Barry, rightly so, but I think they had them misplaced. Like, I think that they had this idea that because he's such a smart GM, like every big name he was going to be able to get, like, oh, he was going to be able to get JJ Watt. He was going to be able to get Bud Dupree. He was going to be able to get Jadavian Clowney if he's available. And like, you know, all, all of this stuff. And, and we can talk about the signings that he did make. And I think that's just proof that he's not looking for the flashy names. He's looking for the difference makers. And while players like Carl Lawson would very much so make a difference on the defense, I think that Andrew Barry sees a lot of things that we don't because that's his whole life is, is scouting. So high expectations. Yes. But I think don't misplace them. Like don't just assume that because Andrew Barry is smart and he knows what he's doing, it's going to mean that we get every flashy name coming to the Browns. Like that's just not how it works. Okay. So let's talk about who the Browns did agree to terms with, and that is defensive end tack McKinley um, one year, $4 million. Um, I think we all probably assume that Andrew Barry might not be done at this position, um, but this is at least one first step here. Um, so Andrew Barry, um, he's had him on his radar now for a few months. Um, he was interested in him in November of 2020 after Tack was waived from the Falcons. Um, he's a former first round pick. In his first three seasons in the NFL, he recorded 16 and a half sacks, 21 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, 38 quarterback hits. Um, the wheels fell off really after that point in time because the Falcons declined his fifth year option. Um, at that point, he requested a trade. He was unhappy. Uh, he lashed out on Twitter, um, making his frustration with the team known. He was eventually waived from the team, um, went on to fail two uh, physicals with two other teams before he ended up landing with the Raiders. He ended up not playing a snap with them at all for the rest of the 2020 season. Um, so I was reading about him, um, getting to know our new um defensive end a little bit and I I was like laughing because I'm like wow like this track record like young guy uh I think he's 25 years old 25 or 26 um seems to have like just natural talent a little bit of controversy when it comes to drama in the locker room um and pair that with all of our drama in the locker room with the Browns or so that's what everyone else thinks. Um, I was just thinking like, you know, pair him with the old staff, the old coaching staff, the old Browns, and this is just a disaster waiting to happen. Um, But now I'm, I'm thinking, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this too. um, This feels like just a Andrew Berry classic move. Um, Andrew Barry has a plan. He's strategic. He's not erratic. Um, I'm so happy that he is in control and not our fan base. Um, as we just talked about, I feel like our fan base would spend literally all of their money on one guy. Like they would literally pick one guy and be like, <laughs> let's give him all of our money. And then yes, that's it. Um, but I like the fact that um, this is, this feels very low risk, high reward. Um, 
he has potential. He could have a very high ceiling. Um, and he got him on the cheap. Um, so I'm like, I was okay with this. I feel like the staff that we have in place today, uh, he's going to be working with Miles Garrett, someone who has a great work ethic. Um, obviously had the one incident on the field, but like otherwise, like stand up guy. Um, there's no drama in this locker room anymore. Even if people want to make up drama, it doesn't actually exist. So I actually think this is a place where he could come in and flourish just because he's going to be surrounding himself with the most level-headed coaching staff that's probably in the NFL. Yeah, I have to agree with you here. Um, number one, I, I wrote this down and I feel like just as far as like him on the field, when you're playing opposite Miles Garrett, he's going to sort of force this person to be the best version of themselves on the yep. field. I think like that just seems like something that would naturally happen when you're trying to prove yourself next to miles Garrett. So on the field, I think he's going to be, you know, a nice fit as far as all the, the character issues and stuff, which I didn't even know about until you were going down this long sheet of, you know, the Twitter <laughs> drama. And I, I had no idea that this even exists. I did know that Andrew Barry was interested in him before. Um, Right before we started the podcast, I saw a clip of him doing a uh, presser. Did you guys see that? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. It was like, it was kind of painful because they kept asking him questions. And his only response was, it's good. I'm good. This is good. It was That was it for two minutes. Just him saying, good, 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 good. And I'm like, man, what is this guy doing? <laughs> so now, like, it all makes sense. But like you said, this isn't the John Dorsey days. Right. Had this been, you know, John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens in charge of this guy, that could have been a complete disaster. And I would say, wow, this is this is not good. This is not going to end well. This guy clearly has some issues. They don't have control over anything. So that would have been a disaster. But I think now you're seeing a different culture. And, you know, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, the whole staff, if this guy, you know, breaks character, if he decides that he's you know bigger than the team or he's not happy or whatever I think that they are more than willing to hold him accountable to a certain standard like you're on our team this is a team first organization you know and if you don't like it like bye I think that that's the Browns structure now which god bless thank god (laughs) that's the Browns I am because it's just so refreshing (laughs) to not have to worry about this stuff anymore So you could bring someone like this in here and force him to fit in with you rather than trying to adjust yourself to fit in with the player. I'm all, yeah. I was going to say, can I pause you there for a moment before Mm -hmm. Meredith, um, you weigh in on this, but you mentioned like with the John Dorsey and the Freddie Kitchens um, staff, like think about how many players John Dorsey tried to bring on this team that had issues or flaws um, that they just couldn't, get right um or like things were just even with guys that didn't have issues before like I mean oh my gosh I'm just like it I just had like a flashback um remember so like we know like Odell and Jarvis Odell gets a bad rap just because of his name um his past experience with the Giants but remember like those first few games he wore like the watch um the visor issue like all the uniform um issues that he had him and Jarvis wearing like the clown shoes the yeah. one game I mean there was just like multiple incidents like game after game and then you had Antonio Callaway thrown into the mix there who just oh, like God. 
couldn't get his stuff together. Baker yeah. Mayfield would go to every press conference and like attack reporters. I mean, it was like guys that typically were in control were out of control. I mean, Baker Mayfield, he had an identity crisis in one game in post game yes. presser. I mean, yeah. I yeah. just, but you're right. An Antonio Callaway is a perfect example of what happens when you have John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens in charge. You know, I think if, if, it were different if um, you had Barry and Stefanski in that year. Yeah. And the Antonio Callaway story, that could have been a completely different ending there. Yes. Like they could have got this guy and, and straightened him. Like look at Kareem Hunt. Yeah. I mean, things can happen if you have, and this is what I was trying to explain today. Somebody was like, I, I yesterday I called the Browns um, a fully functional and smart organization, which I 100% mm -hmm. believe that that's true now. And they said, well, you know, that's kind of pushing it. Maybe just say they're competitive. And I was like, no, there's a, there's a difference between being fully functional and smart and just being competitive. Yes. Competitive is not built to last, really. If you look at you know teams that are built to last, it starts from laying a solid foundation. There's a psychology behind you know getting these players who. Are, by nature probably you know like egomaniacs they're professional athletes yeah you have to have you know an ego to be that good you just it's natural but there is a psychology to to play into their strengths and sort of forcing them into this role where they they respect people and you saw what happens when there's a lack of respect you see the browns of 2018 2000 you know 19 like it was just complete chaos. It was a circus every week. So, you know, I, um, I, 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 I feel good about, um, you know, what Andrew Berry did. I think that this is going to be a happy ending. We shall see, but I'm happy. Smiles. I think the deal that Andrew Berry made is very significant. Like I joke around, I've been calling these one year low dollar deals, I've been calling them since day one, the Andrew Berry specials, because that's exactly what they are. That's what they gave to Kareem Hunt. It was like one year, $1 million or something like that. And he was, you know, just probably the lowest paid running back in the league at that point. Um, and to me, every time Andrew Berry gives a one year deal, he's essentially saying, prove to me that you're worth it. Kareem Hunt gets a one-year deal and he's proven himself. And so yeah. the Browns will probably keep him as long as they possibly can. And as long as he's, he's worth it. I thought this you were going to say, wait, Meredith, I thought you were going to say every time Andrew Perry signs a one-year deal and Angel gets it twice. <laughs> I, like, like, I thought you were going. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. So that's, that's true. Like, like if a fairy is, is, you know, dying, you clap your hands to bring them back to life and then Andrew Barry signs a one-year deal and then they get their wings <laughs> but like that's what Andrew Barry does he like for these players that he probably looks at and says okay I've wanted this guy because of his talent level but because of his behavioral issues because of you know the drama that he's caused because of the way he has acted you know towards teammates and towards um coaches and staff he's saying all right you get one year one year and if he pulls that same thing with the Browns, if he doesn't perform, he's either going to get cut early or, Andrew, or he's just not going to get another deal. And it's like, if you can't make it work here, you're not going to make it anywhere. Like this is almost like, it, it almost feels like a last chance for him. And I think Andrew Barry sees that and says, okay, I'm giving you one more chance. You get one year. And if you've proven yourself after one year, you get an extension. 
Yeah, here's the other thing that I like about this. Um, you know, he obviously had some issues with how he dealt with his the team and and feeling like he deserved getting signed for that fifth year. Um, and and obviously that didn't come to fruition, and he kind of just lashed out at them. So there's that. But I also feel like you know, he could be playing with a chip on his shoulder. And I think quite frankly, the Browns are going to have a lot of players playing with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, This is exactly how Baker Mayfield loves to operate. I mean, the quarterback that is running this team has a chip on his shoulder. And I don't think that's going to go away, even though Baker Mayfield performed really well last year. That's just his mentality. OBJ is going to be coming off of an injury. He was subtweeting uh, (laughs) all day today and put Browns Twitter in a panic. Uh, but we know now that that was him really talking about coming off of his injury comeback season. Um, mm-hmm. You have Miles Garrett, who is coming off of a year that was plagued with COVID on the back half. So he didn't get to prove what he was in totality. Uh, the defense was just gutted with injuries um, last year. Grant Delpit didn't even get to play a snap because of his injury. I mean, this could be setting up the Browns for a very motivated team. Um, and, and you're coming off of two, a pretty disappointing loss to the chiefs where you, you had a chance to actually win and go to the AFC championship. Uh, so I like this strategy of like, let's get guys in that are hungry, that want to compete. Um, I also like the fact that, you know, miles having another young guy, um, to go, go against in a sense um hopefully that motivates him a little bit um and vice versa they can feed off of each other and then one thing that like doesn't get talked about enough do you remember last year um Curtis Weaver is a guy that I just totally forgot about that Andrew Berry snagged from the Dolphins when they um when they put him on they were I think they were going to place him on injured reserve um for the season and Andrew Berry went and scooped him up before they could do that Um, so that's another young player that obviously coming off of an injury, um, in that defensive end room that, uh, these are some nice rotational guys, um, that are younger. Uh, we released Adrian Claiborne, obviously last week. Um, he's an older guy. Like he, he was great when he filled in, but these are guys that I think just have potential to be more than, um, what an Adrian Claiborne offered. We could be surprised. I'm totally with you. Is Andrew Barry an ageist guy? <laughs> yeah, what? Oh, we're gonna talk about that, Brittany. <laughs> we are. Yeah, it's like no one's allowed to be thirty. Well, oh, maybe he's I'm, saying, like, I'm sitting here looking at my wrinkles, and I'm like, oh god. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's looking at this because Andrew Barry's only what, like thirty four or something like that, thirty three oh, or thirty four. Yeah, he's a baby too. So he's probably he's probably saying like these guys can't be older than me. Like I can't. <laughs> like how am I supposed to be the boss of, right? of guys who are older? Like like could you imagine like Andrew Barry being the boss of someone like Tom Brady, like this you know forty four year old legend in the NFL? And then you got this little young pup coming out of an Ivy League school being like, hey, guys. <laughs> we love it. I love Listen, it. Listen, though, when you have a young core, you're building to, I'm, we're going to talk about this. So I'm not going to get Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll go into um, the other uh, big signing that the Browns came to terms with. And that was um, safety John Johnson, the I'm third. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed for- with John Johnson. <laughs> For three years, there's like so much. Um, what's what's that word called? It's not alliteration. It's 
John Johnson, the uh, third no, for three years for 33.75 million. I was like, I can't like, Oh, that's was alliteration. Like, that is alliteration. Is, is alliteration? Yeah. alliteration yeah. yeah. I was like, yes. this, this literally could have been like written in a book with all this <laughs> happening. It's like a Dr. Seuss novel uh, that's happening. Um, and he's getting 24 million guaranteed. Um, great upgrade here. This oh, is yeah. what I think like Andrew Barry, man, this is the whole side, like working in silence. Like we didn't hear a word from the Browns all weekend about anything that they were doing, which I love. I love the mystery. Just makes me feel so good. The intrigue. Yes. Just leaves you wanting more. Um, Anyway, his PFF grade is fantastic. Um, He had an 85.3 PFF grade. He ranked third. Uh, The Brown safeties on the other hand, last year, they had the worst cumulative grade um, in the league last season at 48.2. We had a guy named Zendejo on the team. <laughs> so wait, um, we call him John John. That's what we've been calling him. John John. John John, 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 John. John his PFF grade is almost double the Brown safety. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, so I am obsessed with, with John John. We're going to start calling him John John. John I like John that. John. Um, I am obsessed with him. I have been looking at like after he got signed that was who Andrew Barry went after on uh day 1 of legal tampering so that was Monday um every person that has covered John John written about interacted with every single one of them had the exact same thing to say which was he is a leader he likes to get involved in team meetings he likes to help out on the field he is a team player he prioritizes winning like just oh. everything about his character. And it's funny because I heard the same thing from multiple people independently. And like, you didn't even need to bring up or ask a question. I was talking to someone who used to, or I was talking to someone who does cover the Rams earlier today. And the first thing she said when she picked up the phone was, oh my God, I love John Johnson. You guys got a great guy. And like, that's how she answered the phone. Literally, that's how she answered the phone. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I was so overwhelmed. So I just, like I said, every interview that I've listened to about him, every person that I have talked to about him, every single person has the exact same thing to say. And it is just everything good about him. And to me, that's, that is also very, that to me, that's also an Andrew Berry special because how many times did we hear John Dorsey say men of moral character and, but he, you know, drafted someone like Tyreek Hill and, you know, he picked Kareem Hunt up off of waivers after he had assault, you know, situations happening like allegations. So it's like, you know, John Dorsey would say men of moral character and then pick up people who were definitely not in that category Andrew Barry doesn't say anything, signs this guy from Los Angeles and everyone is just, oh my God, he's the greatest person ever. Like, I think that is such a huge indication of a true culture change. And like like, the fact that his personality is like that, Meredith, you said all these, all these glowing recommendations about, you know, people around the league and all the the wonderful things they have to say about him as a person, mm-hmm. like the leadership roles and, you know, he, he, he wants to take an active role in like all of it. Um, the fact that he chose the Browns when he yeah. had other suitors, when he had other suitors that it was reported, we're going to give him more money. And he was like, no, he thought that his best bet, that the best fit for him personally was with the Cleveland Browns. 
And let me tell you. Woo! So that, I'm glowing. And he played I on know. one of the best defenses in the league last year, mind I you. I just. I know. So that, that helped my confidence with the Browns a lot. Because one of the things that I was getting a little exhausted by was, you know, the Browns reportedly offered the most money to Jadavian Clowney last year. And Clowney yeah. turned it down. Um, they offered, I don't, I forget how, what the number was. I, I made, was it 15 for JJ? I, was- I forget. Um, but it was, it was a significant amount of money. And obviously, you know, the Browns didn't have the highest bid and JJ went after the money, but like all of these big, huge name free agents, like the Browns were always connected with those names and they would wound up going elsewhere. And that bothered me because I was sitting there thinking, are you using the Browns as a bargaining chip? Are you using the most recent success as a way to get more money with GDV and Clowney? That was not the case because the Browns offered him the most money. And he still didn't take it. So that was a little bit of a blow to the fan ego, you know, like, wait, you don't want to come. Why don't you want to come here? Why don't, why don't you want to live in Cleveland, you guys? So the fact that there was this guy out there that, you know, had such a high grading on the field, had such high recommendations off the field said, I want to go to Cleveland. Like that just restored my faith. It chose us. Yeah. Choose me. Love me. Pick me. <laughs> Love me. <laughs> um, yeah, I totally agree with you. So um, I was actually in the um, office yesterday. So I was I was not really on Twitter all that much. Um, so I kind of missed all the anticipation and hype, like leading up with what was going on in free agency. But of course, um, at the end of the night, I got on Reddit because that's what I do. I like to catch up to see like the conversations that are being talked about, get some information. And I just have to read this thread. You guys, it is so funny. First of all, the one that I saw that I laughed out loud at was when they announced the John Johnson, Johnny John signing. Uh, someone responded and said, I know nothing about this man, but I'm convinced he's the missing piece of our secondary. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, it didn't take much to figure that out because as we mentioned, the 48.2 grade, uh, yes, anyone would have been a missing piece to our yep. uh, safety room. Okay, so here we go. Are you guys ready for this? It gets a little oh, saucy. So I'm, if you've oh, got children go. listening, I warn you. Yeah, tell Danny to cover his ears. Danny's probably in these boards. I got to figure out who he is. <laughs> we have to figure <laughs> out what his Reddit burner is. <laughs> I think I already told you guys what my Reddit burner was. I hope I see a sup foo in here. I would <laughs> die. <laughs> I got to start paying attention. Um, okay. So some guy, his name is actually his name. I won't say it. He's a strong safety, more coverage, not a box guy. He's smart as hell. To which someone responds, keep going. I'm almost there. <laughs> okay. Here he keeps going. He's standing behind you, rubbing your shoulders and whispering into your ear what he's going to do to Lamar next time he leaves the backfield. Moist. Oh he's reaching around now, rubbing your nipples, whispering about how not even he is able to stop Baker Mayfield in practice. A true gentleman, he respects your wishes, stops caressing your nipples, and offers to pay for nipple reconstructive surgery. Someone else responds. He whispers in your ear, I'm not Sandejo. <laughs> Oh my God. Why is Reddit the best website on the internet? Like, this is what I want Twitter to be. Okay. Like this is what oh I want God. Twitter to be, but Twitter, we just get people fighting with us. 
We read the Manscaped ad too early, I think. <laughs> that would have been perfect placement. Oh, anyway. We might have to do, if anyone wants to sponsor it, maybe we might just have to do a Reddit segment every week where we just recreate Reddit threads from Brown's Reddit. So if you, if you have a company and you want to sponsor us, we'll do a Reddit segment sponsored by your company. That's right. Uh, that is right. Yeah. So, um, you, Brown's Twitter, Brown's Reddit is very, very happy as well with this signing. And the more that, so there were Rams fans coming into this thread, like crying, essentially <laughs> someone, a Rams fan was like, this is really bad for the Ramily, the family, <laughs> but they all um, said that we got a really, really good, solid, smart football player. That's going to make a huge difference in and it's the defense. And it's so great because like John, John, John's not a huge name in the NFL. Like when you think of defensive players, your immediate thoughts are like JJ Watt, Miles Garrett, you know, that kind of thing. And, and that's everyone's first thought, but you know, John, John just kind of flies under the radar, just making plays and making a difference. And Andrew Barry noticed Did you Andrew see Barry that picked Steelers him up. Steelers fan that caught like, said something about he's the poor man minka fitzpatrick yes oh god I I, mean, they're just they're jealous they're I, so they they're like be. they had to blow all of their money on rigatoni roethlisberger so like <laughs> they're noodle, so mad they're so salty noodle arm roethlisberger we should do a steelers reddit segment to actually know oh, I, I should actually get on there i have to get on their reddit to see how they're all doing right now we should obviously we should, i mean they lost bud dupree <laughs> yeah Juju, what what's happening with him? Like, who's he gonna like? Is he gonna be he, a Steeler? He basically already said bye. Like, hey, you no know, matter he, what he happens, that tweet. yes. Like, he's like, all right, my time here is probably done. Which good, you know. I never liked Juju for the Steelers anyway because I actually kind of liked before last season. I liked Juju as a person because yeah. you know he used to ride his bike everywhere. And yeah, he he's like <laughs> Yeah, which I just thought was so charming. I was like, oh, this little kid. And you know, last year was kind of. Eh, Turn into a little bit of an idiot um but yeah like i i want him to go somewhere else just so i can enjoy him a little bit more also because i just want the sealers to not have anyone good yes. i would love for them to just you know go totally defeated and let me tell you i think that next year they're going to be very lucky if they get to 500. well here's the thing about the sealers like with the amount of money that they're paying big ben and losing some of their key players they're gonna have to tank at some point. Like the Steelers are going to have to go through a period of tanking. It's not gonna, I mean, obviously it's not gonna be as long as the Browns was, but it might be like a two year tank for the Steelers. And I don't know if their fans can handle tanking seasons. I just don't think they can. Like, I think it was easier no. for the Browns to like for Browns fans to stomach the tanking seasons because the team had just been so bad for so long that it's like, you know, oh, we can't get any worse. Go Just one and fifteen. Oh, we can't get any worse. Go zero oh, and sixteen. You know what? So, like, <laughs> I tweeted something about Sashi today. Well, I tweeted a few things about Sashi today. And fans, anytime you you bring up his name to give him any credit at all for the for the because in my mind, I'm like, okay, this rebuild started years ago. Yes. You know, Sashi had to do what Sashi did so that John Dorsey could do what John Dorsey did. And now Andrew Barry could do what Andrew Barry's doing. Like it all had to go in that direction. And, you know, hindsight is 2020, but it started with Sashi. And, you know, John Dorsey, as much as I give the guy crap, he did acquire talent. He was very good at acquiring talent. 
he had no idea, you know, he brought in Freddie Kitchens, who had no idea what to do with the talent. Um, you know, he obviously like the, the it was a circus, but you know, all these things had to happen. These pieces had to be put into place in order for this to happen. So, you know, we talk about, oh, well, the fans were, they, they, there is a faction of Browns fans who just passionately hate Sashi, like with every fight. Yeah, poor guy. Being. Yeah, poor guy. Sashi, like Sashi's, I don't think he's a bad general manager. Um, I don't think he was in the right spot with the Browns. Um, I, I mean, and you said all this pretty eloquently, Brittany, but he is great at accumulating assets. Yeah. He just didn't have the ability to evaluate talent to know what to do with those assets. Yes. Like John Dorsey knew how to scout, like he knew how to use those assets. That's a strength of John Dorsey, but John Dorsey can't run a successful football team. He just, there was just, there was too much. And then you've got Andrew Barry, who's, who's a little bit of both. He's, although we actually don't really know how good he is at gathering assets because he hasn't been put in that position yet, but he has proven that he is good at scouting and evaluating talent. So he knows what to do with the assets that he has. And then on top of that, he knows how to control the room and to control the situation. So um, you guys know that um, that sound on TikTok that was like, this bitch walked, she strutted the runway so Peppa could run. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, Brittany, I saw what you had tweeted about Sashi and Dorsey earlier today. And that was like, I spent too much time on TikTok because that was the first thing that walked in my head. I was like, this bitch strutted <laughs> so Peppa could run. <laughs> it's true. All these things had to happen. It's like, you know, when everyone's like, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. This actually applies to Browns football. Yeah, everything it really had does. To happen exactly the way it's happened for us to be exactly where we are right now. There you go. Look it's at all that. All the plan. All in the plan. philosophy. The universe, I, guys. It's, it, it's the, ti- the timeline. I, I mean, I don't <laughs> think <laughs> it is aliens for sure. Obviously, everything um, aliens. Yeah. I just also, side note, I just, I love the amount of uh, love that we get on Twitter for talking about aliens. Right? I just, yeah. <laughs> Brie, you've got a lot of catching up to do, but. Uh, it's all you so guys. Worry. I'm good with and it. And then Mothman. Ooh, actually, I have a theory about Bigfoot, but we can't do that now. We have to do it on our conspiracy pod podcast. Yes. But, yes. but back to the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> like this like i'm completely convinced that this is the timeline that we're supposed to be on yes like this is this is the we are in the timeline where the dice rolled one there you well, go well let's talk about two the youth the youth movement Ooh, as Brittany calls it the youths youths, youths. did you say youth yes <laughs> I just quoted my cousin Vinny, and I don't think you guys picked up on it. It makes me so sad. I've never seen that. <gasps> I haven't either. I've oh never my seen god! That. And I've I, seen I, like listen, a lot I, of movies. I, I, I've not seen a lot of movies. I can't I talk about this. Right I'm now. done. I'm, I'm really- not. I'm. I'm not doing this podcast anymore. I cannot do this podcast with people who have not seen my cousin Vinny. I thought I'm you were quoting really Schmidt from New Girl. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, I was quoting the judge from my cousin. Okay, that is your guys's homework assignment this week is to watch my cousin Vinny. Homework Perhaps assignment. Perhaps, Perhaps I will. No, you, you need to. It is Marissa Tomei in her prime. I can't Ooh, commit I to her. anything. I don't watch anything. <laughs> I suck. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh uh, yeah. So the youth movement. Guys. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's let's dive into the youngins. Andrew well, Berry that, may that very great. well be an ageist because uh, we've got some key foundational players uh, on, at 26 or younger, which is wild at key positions. Just to list them off pretty quickly, uh, you got Baker, Chubb, Hunt, Hooper, Conklin, Teller, Wills, Garrett, Ward, Harrison, and newly fresh Johnson. Mm. This is our future. It's a lot of people. And then on top of that, if you look at this list, it's not just, hey, here's a bunch of random names under 25. Like these are difference starters. Makers. They're starters. Oh, yeah. Difference makers. Like people oh, yeah. who make plays on the field, people who make a statement at their position. We're in yes. win now mode, guys. Like Ooh, this, I'm sorry, it. but like this, like we are with the signing of Johnson yesterday, I guess I didn't really quite understand the impact. Um, but like the more I researched and, and read about him too, like I actually panicked less about the defensive end position because the way that I think Joe Woods will use him in the defense will actually allow um, more pressure and it doesn't necessarily have to come from the defensive end. So I feel like last year and even two years ago with Freddie Kitchens um, and, and that defense, we relied so heavily on Miles Garrett. And I think that mm -hmm. was our issue last year. It was like, it was all Miles. Our, our safety, cornerbacks, linebacking core, like it was rough. And and if we didn't get any pressure on the quarterback, like it was, that was it. Like they were going to complete a pass or they were going to run and gain a first down or, I, I mean, we couldn't make a stop. Like that was the issue all year. I actually feel like the way that, Johnson will be utilized paired up with Delpit. We have Ronnie Harrison as a young core. And then once we figure out the cornerback situation, which hopefully we get um, greedy back in a big way, I actually feel like we're almost there. Like we don't have to rely heavily on miles. It's going to take some pressure off of our defensive ends. Well, health is also a factor too. I don't think there would have been anywhere near as much pressure on miles if he and Vernon were able to be on the field at the same time, but it was always Vernon was injured when miles was out there. And then, you know, miles got COVID. So he was out for a few games and then Vernon was out there. So it was just, there was a lot of pressure on Olivier Vernon when he was out there. Cause miles wasn't on the field. And then in the opposite, when miles wasn't there, you know, everyone's freaking out and there was so much pressure on miles because, you know, Denzel Ward, was was injured and not on the field as much as he could have been. Olivier Vernon got injured. So I think the Browns defense would have looked completely different with Miles Vernon and Ward healthy all season. So I I like what Andrew Barry is doing so far. I like the weapons that we have coming off the injured list, like getting greedy back, getting Delpit back. I think that there is a lot of potential there, but I, I health is an health is a huge factor. Like these guys all have to be healthy at the same time, because what happens when you have one or two key guys on defense, if they're not there, then yeah, it all comes down to miles and, and offense offensive lines expect miles. Like, I think that's why he didn't get as many sacks as he could have gotten last year is because offensive linemen were expecting him. They were double, triple teaming him to make sure he got nowhere near the quarterback. Yeah, I also um, think too that, you know, like quarterbacks are and and line are they're very aware of where Miles is lined up too. So you know, if if quarterbacks are able to get the ball out quickly, Miles is not a factor. Yeah. Well, now they're going to have to think twice throwing against a much better, much improved secondary. 
right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's so like pairing that together um, gets me excited to see how they're going to put together this defense next year. Are we ready for the Joe Woods revenge tour? Yes. I hope so. That was my <laughs> other thought because last year, so many people were calling oh, for God. Joe Woods's job. And I'm sitting there thinking like, it's, it is unfair yes. to yes. blame the defensive struggles on Joe Woods. They just, first off the talent outside of Miles Vernon and Ward, who I mentioned earlier, outside of those three, the talent just wasn't there. Like you can't give somebody Andrew Sandejo and expect them to have a great, that's like giving Picasso a broken number two pencil, like, and expecting him to create a masterpiece. Like you, you just can't do that. So I always found the fire Joe Woods movement ridiculous and just completely out of pocket. So I'm also looking like if I am looking at these signings, if I'm Joe Woods, I'm writing Andrew Barry a thank you card. Oh, hell yeah. Like, like, thank you. A for giving me what I need to make this team great. And B thank you for potentially saving my job. Yes, absolutely. I'm not sure if you guys saw it and I'll have to share it. And I, I apologize. I didn't put this in the rundown, but Doug Maurice did an article over the weekend, um, essentially looking at all of the NFL teams and saying like, who has like a really good chance to make a run um, again, to go deep in the playoffs, as well as like obviously Super Bowl end goal. And what he did was he looked at every NFL team and then he essentially kind of listed out, you know, what things are happening. So like starting with like the full 32 teams, if you have a new head coach, you are out of the running of like being a like true contender, like, you know, like being a set in shoe for like true contenders, like that eliminated a certain number of teams. Then it was like, are you switching quarterbacks eliminated you from that running? Uh, Do you have a new offensive coordinator that eliminated you from the running? Did you trade key uh, weapons or key pieces that could impact you? And he kind of went down this list um, and it was a really good article, very eye opening. Um, And the Browns made it very far down as being a team to obviously be able to make a run for it. And I think we have not been in this position for a very long time. We have retained our coaching staff. We have the same quarterback. We have the same offensive line intact. Uh, The defense is obviously flipping over, but that's actually going to be a positive considering what we're coming Mm -hmm. off of. Um, So all of these things like put the Browns in a position to be a team to contend, which if you read that article, I think you'll feel very, very good about the Browns position, even when you compare them to some teams that made it to the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. where I think the Browns actually hold an advantage over them just based on the consistency going into this season. We love to see it. Love to see it. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited. I, and here's the thing. I, I think everything that Andrew Barry is doing right now is probably going to make the draft less exciting, but that's, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a very good thing. Cause I heard, I forget who I heard it from. It was someone on Twitter that they heard from like a former GM or, or something like that. But um, they were saying something to the effect of, you know, people who have great drafts had a bad free agency. So I just like, I'm excited about the draft because it's going to be in Cleveland and I'm really excited to see how it looks in our city, but I'm also like the Browns are picking at 26. We don't, we don't know what direction they want to go in yet because we don't know. 
what direction they need to go in at that point. And I've even heard some mock drafts talking about the Browns just completely trading out of the first round completely. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, like, that's such a good sign. Like that's such yeah. a good sign when the Browns are sitting there like with only one pick in the first round and it's late in the first round. And for that, for mock draft experts to be looking at this and saying the Browns don't even need that pick. Yeah. Like that's just, they're I got myself very, excited. I got myself very, excited. Whoa, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I need to go. I need to go to the Reddit. Gee, Excuse me. I'm gonna go to the Reddit board. board. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I'm gonna have to create a different burner for Brown's Reddit. That's right. <laughs> um, so before we move on, really quickly, I wanted to get your guys' takes on. Um, so obviously, there's still we have still have positions of need, of course, especially when it comes to the defensive side linebacker depth, cornerback depth, defensive end depth still. Is there anyone that you guys have on your radar, anything that you anything that you think Andrew Barry could do, or do you think that this will be a place where he targets the draft? So after the whole defensive end thing, I'm done with expectations or like <laughs> wasting my time thinking about this because then Andrew Barry just pulls one out and he's like, this guy, this is our guy. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, so okay. I'm now comfortable enough and I, I, mean, I trust him. Like, and somebody asked me this, like, what has he done to make you trust him? I was like, you know, some people you just come across in life where you would just feel like, yeah, that's why I feel like Andrew Barry. I'm like, this guy gets it. So whatever he decides to do, I will find a hundred reasons to latch on to whoever he signs, whoever he drafts. Like, I just believe in this guy's system. So I have no expectations. I don't have any favorites anymore. I'm going into this just saying, yeah, I'm good. Well, it's, it's a gut feeling, which I think is very fair. Uh, nobody has better gut feelings than women. So we'll put that out there. Um, and then honestly, I think the biggest thing that people can look at to say, do you trust Andrew Barry is just the Browns in 2020, that culture shift was huge. And yes, Kevin Stefanski was responsible for a lot of it, but that stuff starts at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, it started with Jimmy and D kind of giving Andrew Barry all of the autonomy that he needs to run the team the way he wants to run it. Mm-hmm. It's Andrew Barry establishing the way that he's running the team. It's Kevin Stefanski being his right-hand man and saying, yes, this is, I agree with it. It's, you know, Callie Brownson on top of that. Cause I just, you know, our interview with her last week was fantastic. And even prior to that, I heard nothing but good things about her just constantly. It's just the whole system from the top down to the players was a complete 180. And I'm, and to me, that's the number one indication that you can trust Andrew Barry Mm -hmm. because any other GM, I don't know that they would have been able to do it. And I don't know that they would have been able to do it as quickly as he did. So a trust a woman's gut and we all have good gut feelings about Andrew Barry and B just, look at the Browns from this past year. Like there were no, you know, there were no storylines of, you know, drama or, you know, this person did this, this person did that. There was none of that. Like, I mean, I know COVID had a lot to do with it, but we didn't hear anything bad about the Browns off the field at all. And how many, how many times did you see hit pieces from national writers out on the Browns every single week? Yeah. None of that, none of that this year. So I just, I, I don't know how you can look at that and, and then question whether or not Andrew Barry has complete control. I just don't get it. Yeah. I feel good. 
All right. So a couple of small things to cover and we will get out of here. So with the Cavs, um, drama, this is so funny. I got excited. Um, Colin Sexton liked a tweet <laughs> about Kevin Love um, that said that Kevin Love stole 120 million from the Cavs, calling it the heist of the century. He has now since unliked the tweet, but obviously, like people notice these things. Of course oh, they oh, do. Yeah. We have nothing better to do than obsess over <laughs> like, athletes on social media. It's so like, true. Here's the thing: like you can be the most perfect version of yourself on social media or or at least you think but always remember that on instagram and on twitter what you like is public yeah so if you sit there and you're you're having the perfect tweets and the perfect retweets and the perfect responses and you're you know the the model citizen on social media but your likes are all porn accounts we're gonna notice yeah thank goodness tiktok isn't that way yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, my TikTok, if my likes were public, it would be, it would all be Marvel musical theater and recipes. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not, I'm really not embarrassed by my TikTok likes at all. So if they want to publicize those, sure. Like if you want to see like 18 different versions of waving through a window from Dear Evan Hansen, just go through <laughs> my TikTok likes. Oh man. Um, so thing. yeah, I like Brittany, obviously you're a huge Colin Sexton Stan. Like he's your oh, son. Yeah. Were you 100%. disappointed in your son? Hell no. He was 100% <laughs> right. This guy has stolen so much from the I cast. Know. He took all this money and he's played. How many games has he played in the past? Like two how years. How much money has he know. made per game? I can't that he's even, played. I imagine how frustrating that would be as a teammate like I get it like yeah. you are day in and day out you're giving it your all you know Colin Sexton he's very underappreciated not, especially in Cavs fan base there's a lot of very passionate Colin Sexton haters which whatever that's weird um but you know he has to he has to be side by side with this guy who's making pro- I don't even know how how much more than than him or really anyone else and he's just never there. He's living his best life. You know, you you watch all of his Instagram. Like, he's always hanging out in the offseason in all these beautiful places with his gorgeous model fiancé. And, like, he's living a great life off the, the Cavs, you know, Bill. And he just never plays basketball. So, yeah, I get it. And he's not wrong. Kevin Love went from last December to last week, went 33 games without playing. Oh um, and in a shortened season, that's a lot. That's almost that, half the season. That's um, inexcusable. So if you're that hurt, just retire, dude. <laughs> Be done with it. Wow. Brittany's holding no, no punches I'm here. I'm done. Everyone's like, oh, he, well, he was there in 2016. Cool. This is 2021, so is guys. So, you know who else was there? Matthew Delavidova. He was there also there in 2016. I don't but- care about anyone in 2016. This is 2021. I care about the players now. It's. I don't actually, I don't really care about Kevin Love that much. Just I'm <laughs> being honest. Well, the hard part, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the same way. Like Kevin Love was my least favorite of the big three. Yeah. Um, Well, the hard part with Love is that I'm sure the Cavs wanted to get rid of him long before, but his contract was just so big that no other team. Yeah, but they did that. 
I know. I, I know. The no. day he signed it, he showed up in that hard hat. Oh, and he's like, my oh, gosh. Yeah, Cleveland, I get you. Yeah, idiot. Now you just took all the money <laughs> and never played again. Yeah, I mean, Smartest that's what move. it was. Smartest like, human. It's like, I mean, honestly, like, great business move on his part. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Cavs give him this, like, gargantuan contract. And it's not good because now he's not playing and no other team wants to pick up that contract, especially for something that they're, that's not playing. Like, Hey, do you want to like buy this thousand dollar eight K TV? It doesn't turn on, but it's really pretty. Like, well, that's I, I think what had happened was Dan Gilbert, like when the contract was done, I think that was his way of sort of trying to bring the fans back in yeah you know because after lebron left it was tough and this was sort of like a pr thing a very expensive pr move and they expected him to play enough to keep the fans interested <laughs> and kevin love got his money and he's like screw you guys i'll I mean, put on this hard hat and sign this piece of paper and i'm gonna go live my best life with this beautiful girl and uh, not play basketball it. that's it i think that kevin love would do well as an advocate. I mean, he's already doing this in a way, but he would probably do well to retire from basketball and just be full-time advocate for mental health. Yeah. I think that that's where Kevin Love is best served because he's getting to the point where, you know, if he's out this long for a calf strain, you know, how is he going to bounce back from that? And if he bounces back, you know, how, how good will he be? There's just too many questions around his abilities on the court. I think he has done so many great things for Cleveland. Um, you know, I love and respect him as a human and as a player, and I'm, I'm happy for what he did for this, for this town. But yeah, I mean, if like, I, I would love to see him do something with like mental health advocacy, because he's the type of person that people will listen to when he talks and he could, he has the potential to do so much to for for mental health issues like he he really does so yeah i mean (laughs) maybe colin sexton should not have liked that tweet even if it even if he feels that it was right in his heart and Brittany obviously agrees which is fine there's nothing wrong with that but uh yeah be be careful about what you do on social media because none of it is none of it is hidden at all but yeah i it's I, it's funny he likes tweets like that but like he hasn't liked like an instagram model's tweet like that's like what's so funny <laughs> to me it's like out of all the things that you could like it's about your own teammate i just think colin sexton i think the only thing he cares about is basketball i'm just that's absolutely it. convinced I think that's really true like that's yeah. his entire life that's his entire being it's just yeah basketball. i'm just absolutely convinced that he he cares i this is just what I think, I think there are three things that Colin Sexton cares about in no particular order, which is basketball, his family, and the University of Alabama. That, that's it. When did like, he I, get those like chiseled muscle arms though? I was watching, yeah. yeah, but like, I, I was watching, um, it was like a month or so ago and it was the post game. He was in the interview and he was standing there with his hands on his hips, you mm-hmm. know, and, and the camera was at his, you know, like torso and up. And I was like, I looked at my husband and I was like, I just don't understand how like his arms are cut like that. Like he's not even flexing. It's just like, they're yeah. just like perfectly sculpted. Like he, he finally hit puberty. Like that. He just, he finally hit puberty. 
He was like, all Listen. basketball players look like that. I was like, that is not true. Kevin Love has flabby arms. I mean, <laughs> remember when Kim, remember when Kevin Love was with the Timberwolves? Oh, yeah. Like, he was chubby. He was chunky. Oh, yeah. He had a dad bod. He was like, that was fat Kevin Love, man. Yeah, like, Kevin, yeah. I mean, Colin has definitely like bulked up. Um, yeah. he, he's, he's no longer very seriously. He really yeah. did. I was just very impressed. I'm like, I just, you know, like I've seen muscular people, but he's like, skinny muscular you know they're skinny yes. fat he's skinny muscular it's yes. weird i can't it's, describe it. it he was probably doing pilates that would be my guess like yoga and pilates that's a secret i don't know that for a fact that's just my conjecture i just i just am very i'm gonna like i'm gonna have a britney moment now <laughs> britney i texted you over the weekend because i had like i had multiple <laughs> britney moments like this is another one i'm just like i was just i just started thinking about miles garrett and like how do they like get that muscular and how like like what do they eat in a day to be able to look like, like what do they do like I just like don't understand the comp like could I look like that what would I have to do to look like that I mean yes I guess I could I, I it's I can't I gotta turn this off like yeah. I I know <laughs> it's just wild that the off. body can look like that listen when uh, when they showed that video of him doing that I, I showed my mom and I'm like mom this guy is almost 300 pounds yes doing this like how yeah. does a human being do this at that size? Yeah. And like male gymnasts are really, really cut and they're actually really bulky because a lot of the events yeah. that they have to do are very heavily Drink. concentrated. Yeah. It's like the rings, the pommel horse, the but parallel like bars, like size. Yeah. They're, they're like yeah. short typically. <laughs> I don't know how tall they are, but yeah, like they, they've got to be agile and somehow Miles Garrett manages to be one of the largest human beings on the face of the planet and has the agility of like a skinny dude, half his height and half his size. Yeah, I don't. It, it blows my mind. Blows my mind. I just science. Can I be? Can I be blessed with genes like that? My goodness. Same. Also, Please. the willpower. It's like a nut. Like it's like a struggle. I'm like, I'm gonna be great today, and I start out eating like really well, and then like dinner time comes, and I'm like, I'm gonna eat all of my kids' <laughs> leftover chicken yes. nuggets. <laughs> yeah, you get you get the dino nuggies. <laughs> And you're like, oh, oh, little dude has some mac and cheese left on his plate. Not anymore. A hundred percent. I was like, this is like the death of me. Like being a mother has turned me into like the worst eater ever. Cause I just pick at my kids leftovers. Um, and also all they eat are macaroni and cheese, hot dogs, chicken nuggets, sometimes a salad. You know, we try to throw in some greens. There you go. Um, okay. We will wrap up with this. You guys got to fill me in on this. I saw it come through on my notifications, but LeBron uh -huh. James is part owner of the Red Sox. What is happening? I'm so pissed. Like, honestly, I am so pissed. We thought he was going to own the Indians. Remember? I know, but look at me right now. <laughs> so the problem is I actually had to, I actually had to like research this because I was so confused by it, but um, I mean, well, the Indians are currently not for sale. And also side note, my favorite thing about the like galaxy Why? brain fans who defend the Dolans are like, this team is worth $3 billion. I was like, it's only worth that until you sell it. Like you can't like, it's like owning a trading card. Like, oh, I've got this Tom Brady rookie trading card. It's worth 1.5 million. Well, you don't have the $1.5 million until someone gives it to you. So whatever. But anyway, with this LeBron James thing, I had to look it up because I was so confused by it. So it's a holdings group, um, Fenway Sports Group. So they own uh, like a whole bunch of different teams. And so 
LeBron James invested in it. And so I guess he, he already owned 2% of Liverpool, which is an English premier soccer league or soccer team. Um, and Fenway sports group, I believe is what, like, I believe Liverpool is one of the teams that they own. So if I got it correct, and I please don't quote me on this because I'm so confused by it, but it looks like LeBron James just invested into this Fenway sports group. And because Fenway sports group owns the Red Sox, he is now a part owner of the Red Sox. So I think that's how it happened. Okay. This number one, have you guys ever met Red Sox fans? They yes. So they're annoying. the worst. Oh they my. are like the Steelers fans of baseball. Yes. Boston fans are toxic. Like yes. if you want, like I, and I hate that I'm saying this, but I would almost take a Pittsburgh fan of any sport 10 out of 10 times over. I would take a Boston fan no, out of any down. sport. Slow down. It's, it's close. But I Boston really sports fans are so they are terrible. toxic. They like are. they are terrifyingly toxic. Like I can't count how many black hockey players have talked about the racial slurs that they were called when they went to play, um, play in Boston. Like, and it's just, and their fans are crazy. It's just, I can't, like, I, I cannot, I cannot get on board with Boston fans. So I just, I, I think the only reason that it's the Red Sox that LeBron got onto is because that's the only thing that was available because in order to buy a team, like first off, a team has to be up for sale. And, and then I think there needs to be like a league vote and, and commissioner approval. Like there's, there is a process to purchasing a sports team. So it's not that he actually purchased the team. It's just that he bought into this investment group. So, you know, if, if the Indians were part of an investment group, I'm sure he would have purchased them. But like, I have a feeling, you know, once LeBron James retires, he's probably going to want to buy a team outright. Then buy the Indians, please. <laughs> That's all I want in life is for LeBron. I always have this idea that LeBron is like our Superman and he's just going to come save us from everything. Yes. <laughs> like he's going to come back to save us. And I'm praying that he buys the Indians one day. What if he, and, what if he uh, buys the Akron Rubber Ducks? He goes, yeah, I'm going to buy my hometown team. And then it's well, the Rubber he Ducks. Might. He That's might. fine. I mean, like the, the Dolans have to sell it first. And at this point, it does not look like they have any plans to sell that team anytime soon. I can't soon. even think about it. I will get enraged. I know. I just find it so funny that people are calling for the Dole, for the Dolans to sell. And I mean, yeah, I, I, I get that sentiment. But, you know, if you have a valuable asset and if it's something that you've wanted to own for your entire life, like, no, you're not just going to sell it because everyone is telling you to. Sell it because you don't care about it. Sell it because the fans deserve more than what you're willing to put forth. Yes, I mean, I, I do agree. Yeah. I do agree. Indians fans deserve more than what they're getting for yes. sure, 100%. Yes. Well, yeah. should we wrap it up at that, you guys? Yeah. I mean, sure, sure. If you want to, I mean, I guess if you want to get into EPL and you want to support LeBron James, go cheer for, I mean, I'm not a Liverpool fan, but sure. <laughs> go cheer for liverpool lebron james is a two percent owner lebron james has a hand LeBron. in everything LeBron space jam's coming out this july Can't oh my god i'm that. so excited i am so excited did Me you guys too. see the plot of it like it actually looks really good it's gonna be amazing my kids love space jam so we are excited good you're raising them right brie right 
Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you all for listening tonight. We went long again. Uh, had a lot of things to cover. Uh, we'll be back next week breaking down hopefully more Andrew Barry moves. Got a, got a full week left of that. Uh, and don't forget to send us some ratings. We love hearing from you guys. Um, you can listen to us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from. We love to hear from you. Tweet us, tweet at us, let us know what you want to hear from us, um, what topics you want us to cover. We are open ears for these next few months. Um, Again, thank you for listening as always, and we'll talk to you next week.